listening to The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Knicks Recap, your source for all New York Knicks-related content. I'm your host, Troy, and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you stay updated with all of our latest episodes. This is the post-game show of the New York Knicks versus the Milwaukee Bucks game where we saw Milwaukee completely and utterly, even though they were missing players, just dominate the New York Knicks, more so dominating them in the third quarter and then running away with it after that. In the third quarter alone, the new the Milwaukee Bucks scored 37 points. That was the most points the Bucks scored in any quarter, even in the, the second quarter when the Bucks were really doing even better on defense because you could make the argument from the first quarter to the fourth quarter, the Bucks' defense was electric, on, and active. They were fast out there. They were communicating. And more importantly, they were playing hard-focused defense. And we saw that. We saw that specifically from Giannis. Giannis wasn't the only person that was doing it. Let's give credit where credit is due. We saw Giannis doing it. We saw Lopez doing it. We saw Drew Holiday who was doing it. Drew Holiday, by the way, who gave Jalen Brunson all he could handle and more because really he was a pest on defense. And he took it to RJ. He took it to Brunson. And the Bucks played the Knicks very, very, very smart. I thought the Bucks knew what they needed to do. They had a game plan coming into this game, and they executed it. It was very, very clear. We're going to talk about some of the key aspects the Bucks did to beat the Knicks, why the Knicks lost this game, and what aspects the Knicks could have done to make this game either closer, more competitive, or potentially even could have won the game had they done certain things and some players stepped up. We're going to get into that today, and we're going to talk about some of those topics. I want to start with one of the more important topics, though, and maybe something that you or myself aren't really making a huge deal on, but I think it's important to to note. Jalen Brunson's play yesterday, and Jalen Brunson has been a bright spot throughout these entire last few games that the Knicks have played, so I'm not trying to you know, say anything bad about Jalen Brunson per se, but I do have to mention something. Jalen Brunson was throwing a lot of double teams yesterday. You know, he couldn't really go one-on-one, and when he had the ball, it was very hard for him to get into positions that he wanted to get into, not only because of the Bucks' defense. By the way, fun fact again, the Bucks are one of the, if not the top defensive team in the league, and the Knicks coming into yesterday's game was probably, I believe, the second uh, top team in the NBA at that point in time in terms of scoring. So these were two good teams in regards to offense and defense. And we saw what the Bucks defense could really do. It was a key of a game of really why they won this game. Their defense was solid for 48 minutes. No matter who was in there, their defense was solid. They threw double teams at the people that mattered. Jalen Brunson is the head of the snake for the New York Knicks. He's the tone setter, the pace creator. If you take care of Brunson, if you put him in situations where he's not going to thrive, he's not going to be as electric, or he can't 
utilize his craftiness, well, then you just took away a lot of what the Knicks offense really is because it does start with Jalen Brunson. I thought the Bucks did a very good job uh, distracting Brunson, making him feel uncomfortable, making him make, you know, unwise decisions when he goes into the paint, such as, you know, bad passes, some silly turnovers, and also leaving his feet and making some of these passes uh, as well. I saw a couple of things from Brunson in that regard. I'm not going to kill Brunson after one game, but I will say that he was definitely challenged in this game, and he didn't respond 100% like I thought he was going to do. Now, again, that was due to a lot of the strong Bucks defense, but also the double teams that he saw. He needed some help in the backcourt. He needed somebody to help take away one of those defenders so he could try to go one-on-one more because I think you can make the argument that in the paint, Jalen is so high IQ and so crafty that anybody in the paint he was with, he would have been able to do a little bit more against one-on-one and maybe eke out a bucket or an and one. So I thought that was uh, something important to note. But listen, give it up to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks played a hell of a game, and defensively, they shut us down. Defensively, they punched us in the mouth, and we were never able to recover. Their defense from quarter one all the way to quarter four was just as intense, if not more intense in the fourth, when the Knicks are trying to make a run and cut into that lead, trying to get it down to, I believe, nine at one point, but never could recover beyond that. So the Bucks played hellacious defense, and it showed. And it also showed why they were one of the top defensive teams or are one of the top defensive teams in the league. Let's look at some of the team stats, because I think that's important to look at when we're looking at a game and trying to analyze what aspects the Knicks could have done better. So from the field goal, the Bucks shot 39% and the Knicks shot 40%. So pretty even in terms of that although the Bucs did shoot 109 shots versus the Knicks' 93 shots taken. So that's something of important to note. Now, the Milwaukee Bucks were also 29% from the three-point line, and the Knicks were 34% from the three-point line. We let the Bucs shoot 45 of them, though, and in comparison, the Knicks shot 35 of them. But again, the Knicks did a little bit better on three, and you know, in terms of three-pointers made, they were more efficient. From the free throw line, and this is kind of where it killed the Knicks. The Knicks were 69% as a team from the line during the Milwaukee Bucks game. They ended with uh, 22 out of 32 uh, free throws made, which gave them that 69%. Conversely, the Bucks hit 22 out of 27 free throws that they took and made 81% of them. Huge difference in the game. Not only the fouls and the foul calls, but also what you did with them when you were at the strike. And unfortunately, a lot of Nick players were not able to convert there. Turnovers. Six for the Milwaukee Bucks, 12 for the New York Knicks, which obviously caused, you know, six to 12 additional points off of turnovers for these Milwaukee Bucks. So that's huge. In the assist department, the Milwaukee Bucks had 23, while the New York Knicks had 19. So Milwaukee was a little better in terms of passing the ball. Uh, Offensive rebound-wise, the Milwaukee Bucks cleaned the glass a little better than us at 19 versus 13 for the New York Knicks. Overall, rebounds were 60 to 54, so not completely different. But again, when you have one of the most 
dominant offensive rebounders in the game in Mitchell Robinson, you'd want that number to be higher. It wasn't higher because, first of all, Giannis is a scary matchup for anybody inside. But it also was because he was in foul trouble a lot, Mitchell Robinson. So he couldn't really make an impact on that end. And no matter how good you believe Isaiah Hartenstein to be, and I believe he's a great player and a great steal of a signing, he's not the same type of interior defender as Mitch, and he can't block shots the same way Mitch can. So it's not the same type of intensity level in the paint with Mitch in there versus Isaiah Hartenstein. So just wanted to point that out there. In terms of blocks, the Bucks had eight versus five. I thought that number would have been higher for the Knicks, but again, Mitchell Robinson was in foul trouble for most of that game. Uh, in terms of steals, uh, it was Bucks eight and the New York Knicks six. Personal fouls, Buck had 23 personal fouls versus 19 against the New York Knicks. And that's where we were. That was more or less the stats of the game. And if you look at those stats of the game, you can see that free throws and turnovers, as well as rebounds, are where we more or less lost this lead. When you can't clean up the glass and you allow the team to get second chance opportunities, when you turn the ball over so you're not taking care of it, you're not making almost half of the shots you're taking from the field because you're making it a little bit more difficult on yourself. And you're forcing the offense in some cases because you know that the Bucs are making a run and you don't want to get too far behind. When things like that happen, and then obviously you're not hitting your free throws, which at this point, come on, man, you got to hit your free throws. But if you're not hitting your free throws either, you're going to find it very, very difficult to win a game like this. So am I shocked given every stat I just told you and a couple of things that we've seen during the game? Am I shocked that the Knicks lost this game? I'm not shocked at all. I'm actually surprised the Knicks were able to hang in there with the Bucs and keep it as close for as long as they did because you can make the argument they were in the game up until two minutes left in the third quarter when the Bucs slammed it open and couldn't miss from three and, you know, scored a barrage against us and went up, I think, 12 to 15 points. At one point, I think they were up 20. So we did cut and chip into that lead going into the fourth and toward the midway to the fourth, where I think we cut it into nine. But then once we got it to there, the Bucks, you know, were relentless and never let go of the lead afterwards. And, you know, we just could never recover from what happened. Giannis was one of the biggest factors for why this New York Knicks team lost last night. He was a force. Giannis looks as good this year as he's ever looked in any year. You can make the case already that he's going to be a lead getter in MVP voting. Him, Ja, these are two guys that we've seen recently that look like they are MVP elite players. And those are the teams that we lost against. So if you want to look at it, you know, in that type of glass, you can. But let's look at the minutes here. Giannis played 39 minutes, scored 30 points, had 14 rebounds, 9 assists, almost a triple-double. He was 11 of 22 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3-point range. He took 6 shots from 3, and he still had more or less of a fishing game. 7 of 11 from the free throw line. He had 1 block, 1 steal, and 2 turnovers. That equates to 27 in the plus-minus. And again, plus minus is my favorite. Giannis was everywhere. 
everywhere that the ball was, Giannis was there, either getting a block, making harder on the defender, making you make an extra pass that you may have not needed just because you needed to get away from Giannis because of the presence that he brings and what he does. Giannis pulled Mitch out to mid-range and also pulled him out to the three-point line at times. Mitch is not comfortable defending over there, and when that happens, the pain is open, and somebody's going to get uh, get there or beat you. And we saw that backdoor play was always open for the Bucks for the most part. I mean, the Knicks did cut it off at some point, but for the most part, the backdoor play was there because Mitch was getting brought out by Giannis. And when he was doing that, Giannis would drive on him, get the foul, and Mitch would be in foul trouble. Giannis is one of the hardest players to defend. He is strong, but he's also very crafty and smart. And he knows how to use his body very well. And he's a superstar. So he's going to get those calls just like every single superstar does. So if you're going to try to blame the refs here saying the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks did this, the Knicks did that, but it was really the refs that cost us the game. Listen, the refs definitely did a bad job yesterday. And they called a lot of calls that are a little bit more favorable to Milwaukee. I'll give you that. But it wasn't. You know, people are trying to make it seem like, you know, it was completely one-sided. It wasn't completely one-sided. The Knicks got calls, too. Some questionable calls at that. Randall got a couple of questionable calls that I didn't even think he should have gotten. The Knicks overall did not play great defense during this game and did not take it to the Bucs offensively. From the start of the game, the Bucks' defense felt different and their team chemistry felt different than any other team that the Knicks saw coming into the season thus far. Their chemistry on the Bucs looked even better than the chemistry we saw against the Grizzlies. And the Bucs are still hurt. They don't have uh, Pat Cunningham, and they also don't have um, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, one of their big three, right, of Drew, Giannis, and Middleton. He's an all-star, an elite three-point shooter, an elite defender, and they don't have him and yet the Bucs are still undefeated at 4-0. That tells you not only how much this Bucks team has chemistry, but how well they work together and how well they can fill in for other pieces. There's no ego on that team. None. Giannis just wants to win. That team just wants to win. They won another championship, and that's exactly how they played. Very unselfish team. They pass willingly. They don't care if Giannis is on one night, Middleton's on one night. Giannis described himself a couple of nights ago as a role player, not even as an all-star, because he thinks he can help make his team better. He knows what he can do. But he knows that if he doesn't get his team going, that they're never going to win. I made this point yesterday. I tweeted it out before the game. If R.J. Barrett doesn't step up during the Bucs game, you're not going to win that game, because you're not going to beat a Bucs team with Giannis a basically MVP level caliber player who might be in the running for MVP this year, you're not going to beat him if everybody on your team is not there, is not available, and is not focused to make those decisions and calls. It's just not going to happen. It's foolish. RJ Barrett looks like the most overpaid player on that court currently for the New York Knicks. He has been widely ineffective and non-impactful. I got killed yesterday on Twitter saying, oh, I'm going overboard. I'm going crazy. 
it's too early. It's only five games. Give RJ some time. You know what's funny? I heard that same argument last year when he had a slow start. And I remember asking myself last year, you know, okay, fine. He had a slow start. How long am I going to give him? Now this year, $107 million guaranteed. He's not a young man anymore, even though he's 22 years old. Been in the league for four years. He's experienced at this. I need more from him. How many slow starts are we going to be okay with, Nick fans? How many slow starts are you going to give him? I was told by one of, uh, one of the fans that I was speaking with in one of my Twitter spaces that we should give RJ 20 games or 25 games. So you want to wait 15 more games and see RJ Barrett do these 15 more times before you're concerned? RJ Barrett is trending in the wrong direction. As Knicks fans, we absolutely should be concerned. I am shocked that most Knicks fans right now are not only not scared or fearful, but they say it's okay that RJ is doing this. They're giving RJ Barrett a pass at what he's doing, but wouldn't give this same pass to Randall, to Cam, to IQ, to Obi Toppin. You wouldn't give... All of those players, this leeway, but R.J. Barrett gets this leeway. Why? Because he's the third overall pick that we got, one of the best draft picks that we ever had since Ewing, one of the most beloved players in the franchise currently. This is why you don't want to say anything bad about him. It's ridiculous. The amount of fanfare this man gets and doesn't get anything called against him, but Emmanuel quickly doesn't pass to Cam Reddish once. And the entire Twitterverse blows up on him. But yet, R.J. Barrett can miss all of his shots in the first quarter, all of his shots in the second quarter, and then go off in the third. And everybody comes on Twitter afterwards and tells me how good of a game R.J. Barrett had or how much he salvaged his line because of what he did in the second half. What? So if Emmanuel quickly is dog shit for three quarters and is good in the fourth, you guys are going to come on Twitter come on all these platforms and tell me he did a good job? You're not going to do that. It's already in your timeline, bro. I can pull up the tweets. You would kill him, but you're not going to kill RJ? It's stupid. I, I just don't understand Nick fans sometimes. They give this man so much leeway, but wouldn't give that same leeway to any other player on the team. It's ridiculous. Please, please, Nick fans, be honest with yourself. And call it like you see it. R.J. Barrett currently is an extremely ineffective and non-impactful player. He is probably one of the main reasons that we are losing against these premier teams like the Grizzlies, like the Bucks, because he's not giving you nothing. Let's go to R.J. Barrett's stats from yesterday. Let's just do it. R.J. Barrett played 36 minutes yesterday. He had 20 points, five rebounds, two assists. He shot 17 times and scored only seven times. One of seven from three-point range. At some point, if you're shooting the three and it's not working that night, stop shooting it. Just keep going to the rack. Just try doing that or try taking better shot selection. He was a minus eight for the night, by the way, for plus minus. That also means his defense wasn't there all game. And I said this about RJ. And again, it's a concerning trend to see. When his offensive game is not there, his defense wanes. 
it's not as strong and it goes down. That is concerning. He has been widely ineffective four out of five games for the season. That is concerning. He has been good against a Detroit team only. That is concerning. But you guys want to sit here and tell me that I'm overreacting. It's only five games. You guys think I'm overreacting on the season? You're wrong. I still think the season is young. You guys think I want R.J. Barrett to be benched forever? You're wrong. I love R.J. Barrett. I want him to become an all-star. What you guys are not going to have me do, though, is praise somebody who has done nothing to earn it. 7 of 17. A minus 8 for plus minus. Subpar defense. Almost non-existent offense. Fourth year in the league. Trending in the wrong direction. And I'm supposed to keep my mouth shut. Can somebody else talk? Because I don't want to hear him right now. Because he's saying something that I disagree with. And I can't call him out on it. Because I can't use any argument of what R.J. Barrett is doing on the floor to prove him wrong. So instead of saying that, I'm just not going to agree with them and be quiet. That's what most people are doing right now. And it's nuts. Call it like you see it, Nick fans. That's all I ask. Julius Randle, by the way, yesterday, also didn't have a great game. Uh, Randle was a minus 14, by the way, for plus minus. Randle played 31 minutes yesterday, had 14 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. He was 3 of 10 from the field and uh, 0 of 2 from 3-point land. So what Randle is doing is he's at least understanding when his three's not falling to drive it in, which is good. And he understands that his most effective and efficient shot is going to be inside, especially due to his size. That's almost always not true when Giannis is the person that you're going up against, which is what was happening. And it was very difficult for him to make anything happen. And that's not only him. Many players find it very difficult to go against Giannis, not only because of his strength, but because of his size. He is long and athletic, so he makes it very difficult for other players that are playing against him. Giannis is a force. I expected Randall to get handled. I wanted him to do a little bit better, of course. I think we all did, but, you know, it's very easy to see why Randall didn't do well. A lot had to do with Giannis, and some of it had to do with his basketball IQ and what was happening with him. He should have probably made better passes inside or passed the ball faster since he knew Giannis was behind him and probably shouldn't have held the ball that long. He should have been able to get his shot off quickly. And that should have been what Brunson was trying to do. Brunson, again, had a very difficult time doing that because he was seeing a lot of doubles. Randall was seeing Giannis. RJ was widely ineffective. Emmanuel quickly, for what it's worth, did pretty good. He had 28 minutes uh, yesterday off the bench, 14 points, four rebounds, three assists. He was 5'11 from the field, two of four from the three-point uh, land. He had one block and three steals, and he was a plus 11 off of the bench. And the reason he was a plus 11 was because of what he was doing on the defensive end and also on the offensive end. He was getting in the passing lane. He was using his hands. And Tom Thibodeau seems to favor quickly as the guard coming off the bench. I think Tom Thibodeau really believes in quickly. And I think he sees something in him and wants to have quickly explore that. And I think he realizes that if he gets quickly confident early and fast, that he can make a huge impact for this Knicks team off the bench. 
So I'm curious to see what Quickly is going to do. But I liked what I saw from Quickly yesterday. He did really good. I thought he had one of the best games of his uh, young season this year. Uh, yesterday against the Bucks, which is great. But again, it really didn't help us get over the hump. But, you know, I did see some very good moments from IQ yesterday. And again, I'm encouraged by what I'm seeing from Emmanuel Quickly. I cannot say the same thing about R.J. Barrett. Before we preview the Cavs game, let's talk about Tom Thibodeau's adjustments or lack thereof. Tom Thibodeau continues to play his starters heavy heavy minutes. R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle all played upwards of 30-plus minutes for this game. Even during the time that they were getting blown out, when you're up by 20, that's a blowout. Even though they made it closer than the game would let you to believe. But if you watched the game like I did and you saw that third quarter, they blew it open. And Coach Thibodeau continued to run the starting lineup through that entire blowout until it got to the point where it was like, okay, I need to do something. So what's happening is either Thibs is not adjusting correctly, not adjusting at all, or doing it so late where the team's already made their run that now we're just playing catch up. And either we're going to get there and make magic happen like he did against the Memphis Grizzlies and send it into OT, or we're going to get very, very close, which we did, cut it to nine, and then never see it again, which happened because the Bucks shut us down afterwards. So that's what we saw there. That was one of the keys. Thibodeau's adjustments or lack thereof. He probably should have put Cam in a lot earlier. He probably should have started the third with Cam to give you additional defense in the backcourt to see if that would have helped you start off the third in a better way than you close the second. Even though that half-court shot from Jalen Brunson, which didn't count, was a very good shot. And I thought it counted initially. I thought it was very close, but... Whatever the case would be. I thought it was a, a very electric shot, and it looked really good. But nonetheless, Tom Thibodeau has all this depth. He speaks on it. He rarely uses it. Now, I'm not talking about the occasional McBride entrance or the occasional Sims 15 seconds of fame. I'm not talking about that. I'm not going to sit here and talk about how many minutes each and one of these, you know, bench players played. I could do that, but I'm not going to. I already spoke at length in my last pod about the minutes distribution and what Thibs needs to do. You want to listen to my thoughts on that, go listen to the last episode, and you will absolutely hear me go off on the minute distribution. Because if, if you're worried about it, trust me, so am I. But I'm also equally as worried about these adjustments, especially against these type of elite playoff teams you're gonna need to utilize the depth that we have to make adjustments on the fly that work against the bucks and sometimes you're not gonna know what that is but you're gonna have to try different things out to see what gives you that opportunity and gives you the best chance to win you're gonna have to experiment you're gonna have to ride the hot hand you're gonna have to play it like that instead of playing it based off of just minutes oh, okay Emmanuel quickly played 15 minutes already Got to take him out now. No. If IQ is on, 
shooting the three like crazy, is on fire, keep him in. Don't put it on just a minute's type of lock. Do it based off of your play. Isn't that what it's all about, your play? If you play well in practice, right, Thibs? It usually adequates the good play in the game. And if it adequates the good play in the game, shouldn't that equal more minutes? Shouldn't that equal trying different lineups out? I don't even know what to say about this man anymore. But I don't hear a lot of people talking about Coach Thibs. I don't hear about a lot of people talking about R.J. Barrett. And we need to. It's a problem. It's a trending problem, let me say that. And it needs to be addressed. Because if we continue to let it go like this, we're going to be 15 games in. I'm going to be saying the same thing. The only difference is most of you on the other side telling me that I'm crazy or I'm overreacting. You're then going to be on my side saying, yeah, Troy said so. Troy told y'all so. I'm telling you, get on them now so we can try to get this thing corrected early. Because if you keep giving them excuses and passes, you're going to continue seeing this. And then you're going to complain when it's already something that they've gotten into the habit of doing. And that's my thing. I don't want them to get in a habit of doing this. They need to break away from this and start making adjustments in the modern NBA that makes sense. And it starts with Tom Thibodeau. I need to see more. The New York Knicks are going to face the Cleveland Cavaliers on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Cleveland Cavaliers are currently 4-1, and one, and the New York Knicks currently are 3-2. and two. This Cavs team is on a different level. The Cavs, for me, pose the worst matchup for the Knicks and for most NBA teams. People are sleeping on this team, guys. People are sleeping on this Cavaliers team. And I'm making the statement. I've said it, and I'll say it again. I'm double down on it. If Evan Mobley realizes his talent and takes a step and becomes an all-star this year, which he can very well do, this Cleveland Cavaliers team will be a top three team in the East. Might even be top two. That's how scary they are. They are not only incredible in terms of the amount of depth they have in their roster. You can make the argument that their fourth option, fourth, their fourth option on their team is Karis LeVert, who, by the way, dropped 41 points along with Donovan Mitchell yesterday. They dropped 41 points apiece. I didn't say Garland's name, who's still out with an eye injury. I didn't say Mobley's name. I didn't say Jarrett Allen's name. I didn't say Kevin Love's name. These boys have shooters, have defenders, and have playmakers. When they're not healthy, they're scary. When they're healthy, they look very intimidating. Because if Mobley takes that extra step and Mobley does what you expect him to do in terms of minutes per game, points per game, rebounds, blocks, and pulling you out, pulling these defenders out to mid-range, out to the three-point line, creating space inside for either him to drive and do something or for one of his teammates to do something. 
it's scary to think about that. They have all the tools currently to be a force in the East, and I think they will be, especially when they're fully healthy. They can be beaten right now because they are missing a few pieces. But it's going to be extremely hard to beat this Cavs team. Donovan Mitchell has been playing out of his mind. Jared Allen is a great defender in the paint. He can block shots as well, too, and he is a great rebounder. And then you got Mobley, who's taking extra steps and becoming an all-star before your very eyes. Harris LeVert coming back this season to prove a point and show that he can hang with, you know, the backcourt of uh, Donovan Mitchell and um, Gary, Darius Garland. This Cavs team is serious. And if the Knicks, all of them, don't show up to play them this Sunday, they will lose that game. And not lose that game easily. They're going to get blown the fuck out. You're going to get blown out if your entire team does not come to play against this Cavs team on Sunday. This Cavs team on, on Sunday is the most dangerous team that the Knicks are currently going to be up against and face. I believe that. They just played the Bucs, and I still believe this Cavs team is the most dangerous team this Knicks team is going to face thus far because they're a little bit healthier than the Bucs are. If the Bucs was full strength, I would say the Bucs, obviously. But right now, it's going to be the Cavs, and the Cavs are not even full strength. It's going to be a very interesting game to see. R.J. Barrett needs to step up. That's the first way we win or at least give our shot. If R.J. Barrett doesn't step up against the Cavs, we won't win that game. That's number one. Number two, we need to control their shooters and make sure we make it hard for them on the three-point line. If we allow Levert, if we allow Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, if we allow these boys to shoot from the three at will, to keep those corners open and allow them to feel confident about that, they're going to blow this one open. We got to close out on shooters, especially on the three-point line. We have to make sure that when they get into the paint, we make it very difficult for them. Got to make sure R.J. Barrett is on. Got to make sure that we get these fast break points as much as we can because I think this is how you're going to be able to take it to this Cavs team and beat them in the fast break. But it's also going to be about how you control the pace. So Jalen Brunson is going to be a big factor here. He needs to control pace, and he put yesterday's game against the Bucks on him. He called it, and he said that he needs to be better. He needs to step up. He needs to do a better job. He took accountability for that. That's a leader right there, folks. That is a leader. That is what you call a point guard leader. And that's what the Knicks have in Jalen Brunson. He is an amazing character to watch. He's an amazing player to watch dance and create moves in the paint. He's very, very crafty. And I think at the end of the day, we're going to see Jalen Brunson thrive on this Knicks team more than we've seen in these you know, past five games. But Jalen Brunson does have to step up and, you know, get more people involved on offense on Sunday if the Knicks are going to even have a breath of a shot to beat this Cavs team. That's going to do it for us here today, folks. I appreciate you guys rocking out with me for the post game show. Again, final score for this one, 119 Milwaukee Bucks, 
108, the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks fall to three and two on the season, and the Milwaukee Bucks are still undefeated. But don't forget, Nick fans, to like, subscribe, and follow us. Until next time, peace. Listen to new episodes of The Knicks Recap, streaming every Friday. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.